I'm struggling to avoid uh, Ian's fucking Baker Bona. It's just everywhere yeah. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's pretty big. It's the most swollen it's ever been, Taylor. Put that on a t-shirt. You don't want yeah. to know what happens in a Walmart car park. So I, I'm basically, I'm just scratching one nut and scratching the other nut, saying, wh- which one do I prefer? Because if things get close, I think that's when the nuts are going to shrivel up. That's like when saying, you look I got at my it, wife the- a bit pregnant. Like, it would have been like to hit the ocean off the, the San Francisco pier for the whole first half. I would have fucking yeah. celebrated if he hit the water with a ball in the first half. He couldn't have hit yeah. anything. G'day Aussie Gridiron fans and welcome to Championship Week brought to you by the Aussie Gridiron Network. We of course are back with another AGN combined show as we have been each week of the playoffs this season. We've got the usual cast of characters, Manjot and Brad from G'day Gridiron, Taylor and Maddie from the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. Boys, Let's not waste uh, a second tonight because we've got some mammoth games to get through in the divisional round as well as some huge matchups to talk about from the upcoming championship weekend. We're going to dive straight into some tipping recaps to really uh, send that off with a bang. Maddie, how you going, mate? Can you, mate, uh, I'm excellent. Yeah. Do you want to recap some tipping for us? I would love to. Far out is it has been a fantastic competition. I'm really glad we've had so many people join in. And on the leaderboard, even this late into it, where we've got literally three games left in the bracket to tip, uh, there's still an analyst right, way up there. Uh, and I'll, I'll get into that in just a gif. But really quickly, I want to describe to uh, it's through ESPN. You had to get in pretty early on to make sure that you're a part of it. But the prize. And there's a few people who are really in the running for this is a bit of free stuff from the Aussie Gridiron Network's merch store. Uh, we've got a really nice new release, G'day Gridiron shirt. And uh, in fantasy world, we've, uh, we are often taking the mickey out of things. So we've got a nice Russ's Pass shirt to go out for the winner. They're going to get two shirts, workout size, and that one. We've worked out who the winner is, but we'll get it sent straight to you. Let's have a look at the, the bracket and how it all sits, right? From the results last week, We've now got two teams clearing away at the top with eight right out of the 10 picks in the bracket so far. And it means that at this stage, too, your Super Bowl winners still got to be alive, right? And their Super Bowl winners are that both of these. Sadly, we don't have much more in detail yet than just their ESPN fan number, but we've got ESPN fan whose number ends in 461 and ESPN fan whose number ends in 407 are both on eight. And they are clearing away. They're tied at the top. Have a go at the analyst who's one snippet behind them. G'day, Ian, at G'day Gridiron. Mate, you must be feeling pretty good about yourself. You're seventh with a bunch of folks who will recap in a second. You must be feeling pretty plucky, mate. You still got the Ravens alive. I, I do. It never happens that I'm at the top of anything, so it's it's pretty unusual, um, as we'll talk about on the fantasy show later this week. <laughs> oh, okay. that's, what his, that's what his missus says, too. <laughs> yeah, that, is, that is correct. I, I am always better from the bottom, Taylor. Tone set right there. Started from uh, the bottom, now we're here. I, I'm going to shout out because <laughs> Juggies Lions, who's also in part of this pack of seven, there's three guys from the the fan contingent who are at seven out of ten. Juggies Lions is my cousin Chris from Denver. Uh, his name's Jughead from something that happened at university. Uh, but good on you, Juggy, And he's still such, got the Lions alive. That's such an American nickname. It is, but he got it in Canberra. He's a guy from the Midwest of New South Wales who came to Canberra got nicknamed Jughead from the Archie comics. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Isaac D'Alvia, who we all know and love in Canberra because he's a player in the local Gridiron League and 
For those who are really astute, he commentated both the last round of the ACT Gridiron regular season and the Capital Bowl with me in Manjot's absence. And we love Isaac. He's got the 49ers alive as his Super Bowl champion. And then we've also got, hey, I'm here to key in here, who's also a Ravens fan with seven. So that's the block of three fans who are at seven. They're all very much in the that's, running to win those two shirts. I was just going to say, Matty, that's that guy's name's Gabriel. Uh, I'm in a fantasy league with him. Uh, the, the Isaac who came on our fantasy pod, um, the, that league I'm in with yeah, him. Yeah, same league. That one. Yep, same league. Love it. And this is really cool because we've got all of us have a little, you know, connection or personal thread with everybody on this page, except we don't quite know who the people at the top are. So, look, <laughs> if you're in this competition and you haven't identified yourself, do it because we're going to try and find a way to reach out to you when you win and we want you to get the free stuff. And that's how it sits now. We've got two games coming up this weekend. So the most anyone can get is, is two extras on that. And then, of course, it all gets decided the next week in the event of a tie. Tay, we always say there's going to be sack races on alternate Sundays, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, consecutive Sundays to a champion's ground. Perfect. What we might also do just to save that is that um, there is a, a before everyone closed their bracket off, they had to choose the amount of points they think going to be scored across the thirteen player fixtures. Whoever's closest to the pin on that is actually going to be crown champion if there's a, a, a tie in correct tips. So just to make sure it's all above board and everyone knows it can only be one winner. Beautiful. Excellent. Righto. Thank you, Maddie. Perfect. Uh, as you. always, you are perfect as always. Oh. Well, let's not go saying things you can't take back, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> well, not start that this early. It's, it's, we've, we've got we've a long both, way to go. We've both got it on a recording this week. Um, so That's really funny. It'll be fine. Really let's, funny. Jump, let's jump into some games. How about we talk about uh, a couple of the divisional games, and we'll start with the AFC lot. So... Uh, we'll start with Texans and Ravens. Maddie, the Texans went into Baltimore with the world against them and managed to hold their own until close to halftime. But after the break, we saw exactly what we expected from the Ravens and a team who have been best in all areas of the park for more than half the season now. Yeah, and I mean, and it looked that way in the second half, right? But what I like about the first half. Not the Texans' offense, right? The Texans' offense really did look like they were boys against men and the, and the boys really needed their parents. But the, the kick return that got them back in the game, that that changed everything and it took a lot of pressure off an offense that was not clicking. What you needed at halftime was the big speech, the corrections and the big speech. And am I surprised that Harbaugh got that right compared to a first-time head coach with a rookie quarterback on the road no! So I think the game kind of went how it was always going, except for that really magical kick return, which, fuck, they're always so fun to watch. Um, and, and I remember saying in my um, anal- analysis of the, the game in the lead-up, this is going to probably be the definition of one-way traffic. And if it wasn't for that kick return happening at the time in the game it did, where it kept it looking neat at 10 all at half time, then that would have been 100% right. So in a lot of ways, that kind of kept them in a game they weren't really in. But I like that their defense showed a lot of grit. Yeah, it's interesting because at a in a situation like that, when you're kind of neck and neck and you think you should be uh, winning, I've been in that similar situation as a coach, and and I've just you know unleashed a tirade on my teams and uh, swore up a blue streak left and right, and that's not my normal mo. Uh, but I found it's ten times more effective if a player does it. And so for to see Jackson do that, I think that's the the maturation of his 
of his life, of, of his career. And whereas I think before, because he's generally a pretty, uh, I think, a, a passive guy, um, he he became the vocal leader, apparently, from all reports, is that he, he, he cussed everybody out and just, you know, because basically they'd had, what, three three and outs coming into halftime. And so it, it, for him to kind of get fired up, I think it, it, it riled the other players up. And sure enough, they came back out and, and they did it. They, they did it exactly what they needed to. I think the Ravens of old, you know, would have would have folded. But this is a mature Ravens. And you saw them just go out there and battle. And what I love is their mindset. Is that they're, they're like, they're not like, yay, we won the division round. You know, we're now we're on to the championship. They are, they've got their mindset on the Super Bowl. And I don't think just being in the Super Bowl, but winning the Super Bowl. So hats off to Harbaugh and the coach for uh, for getting them set straight and for the players just just buying into it. So I, I like this Ravens team and I like what they're doing. Big hats off to Lamar Jackson for the stereotypical captain's knock in this as well. 16 and 22, 152 yards, two TDs passing, 100 yards on the ground and two TDs Here it is. rushing. Yeah, that, that's it right there. That's it. Yep. That's the game. So, that's it. That's yeah. right. Also, shout out to the Ravens for getting Dalvin Cook in for less than a week, and he ended up with eight eight carries, twenty three yards. That's um, <laughs> you can see that Dalvin Cook may uh, feature pretty heavily in the next couple of games if they get that far. That, also, just a lot of that on one carry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just going to say, that. Ian, that that was the biggest difference in the game is one team could run the ball easily and the others couldn't. And mm-hmm. and I remember yeah, saying 100%. in my analysis that. If the Texans were going to be in this game, they were going to have to run the ball well. It was going to have to be a lot of Singletary, and they were going to have to sort of control the, the time of possession, whereas they just couldn't do it. They Every time they ran the ball, they were just destroyed, and then it basically all got put on Stroud's shoulders, and there was some there was some stats that um, Stroud's been far worse outdoors than he's been, you know, at the comfort of his home or whenever he's gone to a dome, which that's not, that's not just a Stroud thing. There's a lot of quarterbacks that have that sort of same situation because obviously being in those weather conditions are always going to make it harder. But in the end, it was just too tough for him. Like that Ravens passing defense is just immaculate. And and it was just too much to ask for him. And the Ravens just destroyed them in that second half. So the fact that one team could run the ball for, you know, six, seven to click a carry and the other one couldn't do anything with it, it just made it too easy for the Ravens. Yeah, 42 mm-hmm. carries, 229 yards for the Ravens as a whole uh, versus 14 for 38 for the Texans. Yeah. It's, it's a huge difference, and you were bang on there last week with that, Tay. It was um, perfect analysis. Just what we would expect from a great analyst, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Mount times, I messed up that word. Oh, boy. That... <laughs> Mount times is an analyst, man. <laughs> oh. He's like that with pills, it too. It's, a, it's not an anal juice. It goes in your mouth. You know, like he's the same with medicine. Yeah. I thought this was yeah. I thought this was a suppository. That is what Brad White says we have a fetish for us. Yeah. yeah that's Straight right. out of the gate. All right, let's oh, um, let's move on to that other AFC matchup in divisional oh. weekend. And that was of course the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Brad, the Bills and the Chiefs have one of the biggest rivalries in the NFL. And the Bills looked like they were finally going to get over the Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs curse for the first time in the playoffs. But despite some heroics and genuine heroics from Josh Allen, 
this week who went 26 of 39, 186 yards and ran for 72 yards and two TDs himself. The Bills are... The Bills ultimately, as a team, came up pretty short. Yeah, yeah, uh, they did. And, you know, I, I believe it was o- it was only one of us that picked the Chiefs to win. I, I'm not sure, <laughs> but um, I believe it was only I'm one of sure us. I'm not sure either. <laughs> no, mate, just rub that one in. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, I got to take them where I can, man. I got to take the wins where I can. 100%. I'm not, no, I'm not dissing you for that. Go for it. <laughs> We're a gloating yeah. podcast. We are. Yeah. <laughs> we, so, need it on, we, have, we need it on a T-shirt. Right uh, when you can. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just basically, I think, if, for me, it's it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and that X factor of they've been there, they've done that so many times. And, it, it, again, it just it's the intangibles. And they showed it. And it, they delivered, and you saw. I, fe- I, I still felt bad for Buffalo with that, with the kicker missing it there. And it would, you've seen them, you know, make that shot a million times. Well, I don't know what was it, forty-six yards, forty-three yards, something like you know, with just two minutes to go. Um, but it, Patrick Mahomes played a perfect game, and that's and that's what he needed to do. He needed to play a perfect game. And he just came through in the clutch. Andy Reid had a great game plan. And you saw some – I I swear that running back is my new favorite player. The way that guy runs so – Pacheco. Yeah, uh, yeah. It just is unreal, unreal. So I I love it. It reminds me of, you know, Walter Payton of the 90s, really. Just the high knee – just in 225 pounds, doesn't care that he's smaller than a lot of guys. He'll he'll run you over. So I love, I love yeah. the high knee running. It's yeah. so it's so aggressive. I love it. I've said it before on the podcast. I love it. Just yeah. there's such aggression to it when you see someone running normally, and then all of a sudden their knees just start jacking up, and they're just pushing. You can tell there's a lot of aggression, a lot of force. There's a lot of pushing to get like go 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 like you know, and yeah. it, you can. Well, I always think sometimes that he would have this internal monologue that is just telling him to push, 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 push. Yeah, just because that's how I, how I imagine I would do it. And if, sure, <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, you kind of need that <laughs> that that kind of you know you're you're hyped up on coke type mentality. Um, <laughs> and and he brought it. And Kelsey found his groove back, and it just the receivers actually caught balls. So it's just. It was your your typical Chiefs, and they finally got a road win. Or, well, I mean, not finally, because <laughs> they've never had a chance to get a road win prior to this. So um, hats off to the Chiefs and what they did. Ian, I was just going to say, uh, you said the Bills came up short. I believe they came up wide right. Uh, that's mm. basically how it is. Excellent. Oh, man. Poor Tyler Ass. Uh, it was just uh, a tough night for him, but uh, just a sort of hard, hard night, hard night to kick though as well. It, it's cold, yeah. it's windy. That stadium's not great in terms of just weather as it is. Um, yeah, and poor form by everyone blaming Tyler Bass for the loss. No. All he would have done there would have drawn oh, would yeah. have been drawn them level, and they still had a lot of time yeah. on the clock they would have for, lost. for Patrick Mahomes no to win Patrick a game. No. Yeah, there's no way. If the boy can do it in 13 seconds, oh. what was he going to do in a minute 50? Like, yeah, uh, like, exactly. they, had, 
they hadn't oh. stopped in the whole second half. Um, I was gonna, I was just gonna touch on that quickly. There was clearly some halftime adjustments made by the Chiefs because all of a sudden they just basically stopped them in their tracks uh, defensively the whole second half. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes, like you, like Brad said, base was perfect. Like the only time that they were stopped at all was because McCall Harbin fucked up and fumbled yeah. through the end zone. Like they. That they just had the perfect second half game plan, and and you saw it in that first drive out half time. What was it like two and a bit minutes? Like all of a sudden they just hit big play after big play after big play, and all of a sudden they had uh, the seven points on the board straight out of the half time. And it felt like the Bills were doing death by a thousand cuts. It felt mm. to me like the Chiefs could get anything they wanted, but the Bills were slowly dissecting the Chiefs wherever they could. And it just felt to me like it wasn't the kind of performance that you'd think you would get out of a Josh Allen. I'm not saying it was his fault. I'm just saying the Chiefs clearly took away what they do best with big, big explosive plays. And they just couldn't get anything done against that Chiefs defense. So hats off to both. It was a great, great game plan by Andy Reid. Like he just, it was a, a coaching masterclass, I believe. Yeah, I was going to say, like, man, I just feel for Josh Allen at this point. He's got no help around him. He was literally the whole team for the Bills. And I know I know people are like, oh, you should have thrown to a wide-open Stephon Diggs at the end of the game. But, man, you can't pass off on that touchdown throw, and he almost got it. Diggs, he should have caught that one. That would have went for 65 yards and set them up in great field position earlier in the quarter. Like, there were so many mistakes by guys not named Josh Allen that I think Josh Allen's just getting too much of the blame. And I think that's just the role of the QB. I really think the defense, they, they couldn't do anything. Like, that defense, if you gave the ball back to Mahomes at the end, he was definitely going to get it, even if the, score was, the scores were tied. They were going to get it in no time. I mean... They're probably going to score a touchdown to Chiefs at the end if, if Bassett hit that kick. So I, I've just got to say, like, Josh Allen, they, they've got to find him a way to get help. I just think either that or free my boy. Let him go to another team because, man, it's just – it's sad. They might be wasting a great career here, to be honest. Well, but, that's the question. I think that – I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but are what do you guys think? Are the Bills done? Is 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 their window over? I don't think they're done, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of these players next season on the Buffalo Bills team. Yeah, and how you get the horses to come back again? Like, yeah. I mean, you can get to being a playoff team in this league now with so much more ease than you ever could have because the seventh spot opens everything, right? So you can be a perennial playoff quarterback over and over, and we see not amazing teams make the playoffs, and that's okay. But success in the playoffs is hard, even when you've got a great team. So, and I just don't think the Bills are going to get the chance to build that now. I was just going to say that Josh Allen contract has been so team friendly the last few years mm. that it's only going to get worse and worse mm. as the years go on. So we all talk about that he doesn't feel like he has the help he needs. It's only going to get worse because they're going to be in salary cap hell moving forward yeah. with him because they're not obviously not going to get rid of him. Uh, so it means they're going to have to be, I guess, savvy with how they spend their money around him and. Uh, it, it, it seems like they did miss a huge window because they're going to have to be paying Josh Allen a lot more. Yeah. And it's the, what I was going to point out was that the only advantage they do have is that division in a way. It, the, the Dolphins are kind of in the same, similar kind of hell. Uh, and they're, uh, just today, they've, they've let Vic Fangio go, uh, mutually let him go. So he's going to turn up somewhere else, presumably the Eagles. So they're going to have to go with a new defensive coordinator now, get that whole thing running again. But they're also in the same kind of 
problem where they're going to have to pay players, uh, especially you already paid Tyreek Hill. You're going to, are you going to, have, going to, are going to pay year? him again? Jalen Waddle is going to need to have that payment within the next couple of years, even next year, as, as soon as next year. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the Pats aren't great, so they're not likely to come back with a vengeance. The Jets, who knows, with Rodgers. Um, we did, really don't know what that team's going to look like just by adding a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, I think you get one year of that, though. I don't think that's yeah. a couple of years. I think you see next right. year from the Jets, and then that's over. So the Bills might have a bit more of an advantage next year if they choose to really throw it all against the wall for one more season before blowing it up. Um, that's about their only way forward now, I think. I mean, and just as Taylor was saying yeah. too, just on a quick back to the game thing, the way that the Chiefs were picking up bits of yardage versus the the Bills just uh, etching their way up the field felt yeah. so frustratingly to me like watching New South Wales origin team just <laughs> work its butt off to get down into Queensland end only for Queensland to like get the kick out of their own end from their own end goal and return it to the 20. And then all of a sudden they got an attacking kick on the end of their set. Cause they've just plowed up the New South Wales defense. It drove me crazy watching that. Cause I'm like, I've seen this movie before in rugby league. So many times <laughs> I'm starting to get twitchy. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's my digression. State of origin. It's very, very wallabies always. <laughs> Yes. Yep. Yep. That's another great analogy, actually. Well, yeah. it is another great analogy. Oh man. Um, all right. We've talked about those. Those. Yeah. Two, we've talked about those two AFC games. So how about we talk about the championship game for the AFC? Of course, it is the Chiefs and the Ravens. So how are those two teams going to match up, boys? Let's quickly go with spread-wise. The Ravens are currently. Minus three and a half favorites, and the under over is set at a forty-four and a half, which I think is a little low for these two two teams, even mm. in Baltimore at this time of year. Um, a clear ten degree night too. So, yep, don't know, don't understand. Yeah, it seems it seems a bit low, uh, and I, I don't mind the line. Someone's got to be a favorite there. Three and a half is probably pretty good, uh, but as we've talked about. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they know, they've been here and they know how to do this before. But the Ravens, as we pointed out earlier, have been the best in every facet of the game for at least half the season now. So this is a really, really fascinating matchup. It is. Uh, you know, I think if you're, if you're looking at it from offense versus defense, if you look at it, Chiefs' offense versus the Ravens' defense, Ravens, what, are like lead the league in, in sacks and turnovers. But uh, the way the Chiefs offense is clicking, I just I can't go against them. I, I just can't. And and Andy Reid, you know, he's going to come out with some wrinkle um, and he's going to just he's going to find the bitch and he's going to pick on him and pick on him and pick on him and pick on him. So, uh, you know, when it comes to that particular matchup, I, I would give the advantage actually to the Chiefs, even though I think the Ravens have showed more consistency. I think the Chiefs have just there. Andy Reid has done a master job at getting them in their stride right now. This is this classic game, and I know I've brought it up in the past, whether it's on the fantasy show or whether we're talking real life football. But it's the classic game of like the the stats and the data say one thing and your mm. head says the other like yeah. it's it's the do you trust what the data is telling you because to me this ravens team looks basically impenetrable 
Uh, I'm not taking that all based off last week. Like, I, I really think they were in a great situation and it was just a bit of a bridge too far for this young Texans team. They're honestly going to grow and grow as the years move forward. Uh, but it's one of those ones where it's like the Ravens just look so good on paper, but you also have to just factor in how good Mahomes and, is it, is Mahomes and Reed are in these moments. And, and you can say, oh, they've got no receivers. It's all Kelsey. These other guys aren't trustworthy. It doesn't seem to matter. Like, they, they just get it done. Like, it didn't, you know, they didn't have great guys and big explosive players in that second half against the Bills, but Mahomes just dissected the shit out of that Bills defense. And I know the Bills defense isn't the Ravens defense on paper, but it doesn't seem to matter. Mahomes seems to have a plan for every single team he comes up against. I will say that this is a bit different to the situations they've had in the past. They've obviously normally been at Arrowhead. Uh, I, I do think that this Ravens team is a, is different to some of the other teams they've faced in this situation. But I don't know. I, I'm finding it really hard. Like I, I really... And I've got two minds here because being a fantasy analyst, I love looking at data and I love looking at the stats and I like to go that way a lot. Uh, but in the end, it's just, do I really want to go against Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes in this situation? I don't know. It, it, honestly, I don't even have a tip right now. Like it's going to be something that's going to come to me as we get to it. Uh, but I think it's going to be a three-point game either way. You don't want to go against Andy Reid and fucking Alex Smith. Um, in yeah. a game like this. You don't want to go against Andy Reid and, I don't know, bring back Trent Green. It doesn't fucking matter who the quarterback is, in my opinion. And, and Brad's laughing at that because he's probably the only other person who knows uh, Trent Green here. <laughs> but the, the problem I've got with the Ravens is I love them. I absolutely love them. But as a road underdog in the playoffs in the Reid era, the Chiefs are 20-10-1. And, and that's the entire span, including playoffs and regular season. Like, it just, it, as a road underdog, they win two-thirds of the games, for fuck's sake. It's it's really tough to go against a team who, data be damned, as you said, Taylor, 60 minutes, loser leaves the island. Fuck me, it's hard to go against the, just read at all in that situation. I know Philadelphia chased him out of town because get on getting championship games and got him no Super Bowls. But, I mean... Fuck me. I'd take that. I'm a Jags fan. I'd take that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. It it is a hard game to really look at for both sides. I think both teams have have really good cases to win this. I'm just like you guys. I'm honestly not sure which way I'm going to tip this one. But I think I'll present the Ravens case because I Mm. think you guys have presented the Chiefs case. With the Ravens, though, this year's team, they're just they're just on a different level, like to every other team in the entire league. And I think you can see in some of the games they played this season, especially when you look like look at their game against the 49ers, for example. They absolutely destroyed the 49ers, who were like the league's best offense coming into that game. They just absolutely destroyed them. Just got all the turnovers they needed to, got all the adjustments they needed to. And I think if they could do that on the road in San San Francisco against the 49ers, I think if they're at home against the Chiefs, they're every chance of being able to do something similar like that as well. I mean, they've been able to stop a lot of teams in the AFC, and really, this is their last this is their last battle to get into the Super Bowl. I believe a bit more in the Ravens this season. That's why I, I was really prefacing it that way in terms of they have been uh, top three in 
offense, defense, and special teams across the board all season. They're able to rush on really good teams. They're able to pass on really good teams. At this end of the playoffs, when we get into a championship weekend, you've got one team who is able to do all that consistently, and you've got another which is still a little bit more of a, a wild card in that, in that sense in the Chiefs. We haven't seen the best out of them. We talk about it week after week about who, who are they really going to pass to, who have they got. There's only really Rasheed Rice. There are some others that will just jump in and, and do things here and there. I love Isaiah Pacheco as a, as a rusher, and he has had a phenomenal amount of 100-yard rushing games this season. Almost got another last weekend. But I still believe way more in the Ravens this week and this season. And I'm tipping the Ravens 31 to 27 is mine. So I'll lead that off. Uh, Maddie, since you threw it at me, how about you throw out a score and a prediction to us? You wicked, wicked man. Um, look, and after everything I said about the Chiefs, I've got a one seed who's playing like a one seed versus a three seed who are playing pretty well. But I, I don't, I, they're not a three seed because they're a great amazing bulletproof team and they're going on the road to this really great fucking looking like a bulletproof team. And I'm going to take the Ravens 26, 18 Brad. So I told you earlier that I thought the chiefs offense had a slight edge against the Ravens defense. I, I think the same is true for the Ravens offense against the chiefs defense. Uh, I think that the chiefs, their defense is vulnerable against the run. So I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a big day on the run. So I would give that uh, Ravens offense a slight edge over the Chiefs D. So I think it's going to come down to coaching and special teams. Coaching, because, I give a slight edge because. to Andy Reid. <laughs> special teams, I give an edge to, to the Ravens. So it's it, it really is a pick em. So I, I'm basically, I'm just scratching one nut and scratching the other nut and saying, which one do I prefer? <laughs> um, sorry for the analogy um, but, the, but at the end of the day uh, it's a 50-50 so I'm going uh, Ravens 30 uh, Chiefs 27 Jot. yeah look for me personally I, I've just got to say straight up like I love this conference championship weekend because I, I just love all four of these teams I, I actually don't think I can hate a Super Bowl winner this year there's no team I actually hate out of these four teams but that being said I I'm I mean man it would just be special to see Lamar Jackson in a Super Bowl and I think that will happen and honestly I'm going Lamar Jackson and the Ravens they get the job done I'm gonna go with 2724 Ravens. All right, Tay, you said uh, you didn't know which way you were going to go, and we're going to have to force you to make some kind of decision here. I left you to last. I'm not going to lie. I may have just been swayed by all you guys taking the same team. I, I, I'm oh. shocked. Honestly, I felt like based off what I was hearing from you guys that it wasn't going to be anywhere near a clean sweep for the I Ravens. thought I thought I, that too, I, Taylor. I, I'm very surprised. I, I even thought I heard Brad say I have to go the Chiefs. I, I, I'll I, I, I may have. I may have. Um, yeah, it's interesting because uh, there's also me being me and Maddie will laugh at this. Uh, there's also gamesmanship if I wanted to actually make some sort of comeback in our tipping because you've just left it wide open for me to actually get a oh, point back. Man. Um, <laughs> it really is tough. Like It is honestly, again, like I've already said, analytics against your head. Um, 
I really do think this is going to be as close as fuck game. I had 27-24 in my mind as well, like me and just took. Uh, yeah. But I'm actually, I'm going to give it to the Chiefs. Um, I, 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 I like Brad just said, it's going to come down to little things. It's going to come down to coaching. It's going to come down to like just big plays and big moments. And I'm not trying to be a Lamar hater. I absolutely love the guy. I think he's, he's only going to get better as the years go on. Uh, but I still can't go against Mahomes in those big moments. And I think if the game's close, that leans the Chiefs to me. I think if the Ravens are going to win, it's going to be a blowout. Um, I actually think the Ravens need it to be a blowout because if things get close, I think that's when their nuts are going to shrivel up. So um, I'm going to take a close game and I'm going to say the Chiefs. So, so if I heard you correctly, Tate, you said it's either going to be close or it's going to be a blowout. It's going to be a close <laughs> It's going to be close to the Chiefs, or it's going to be a blowout to the Ravens. Okay. <laughs> close or a blowout? So, I've written that down. So you're, are you sticking with that 27-24, you said? Yeah. Right. But you're on two wheels, the Chiefs. Excellent. Yeah. That's two of us on two years on the same score. I love it. I love it. I love it. Right. Let's move on to, that, to the NFC side of divisional round. Uh, let's start off with Manjot. I think we know where we're going here. Oh. The Packers came out swinging against your Niners in San Francisco. And for the majority of the game, it looked like they were going to do the absolute unlikely and beat the 2023 NFC monster. But the Niners put together a brilliant final drive to get in front 24 to 23 before Greenlaw came up with a ridiculous interception to ice the game for the 49ers mate i know you were you were pretty happy uh after the game uh-huh. during the game though you had to be you were you were having kittens in our group chat you were calling oh, early man. i think you called it it was, it was about, about half time wasn't it taylor good game, <laughs> good game packers fans just not our day yeah, you uh, you even fun. You even put a reel up to say good game, Packers yeah. fans, well before it was oh, over, man, Jot. Take yeah, us, I, take I us through. Sorry, I All have right. a fan and he fucking hates me and now. Oh, sorry, Pete, man. Sorry, Pete. <laughs> Look, honestly, oh, man. I I probably thought I was going to die watching that because I, if everyone didn't hear last week's show, man, I had the worst cold of all time, it felt like. I still do. And I was struggling to breathe throughout that entire game. So actually watching that game was was probably the worst thing for my health. But I had to do it because there's no way I could not watch the 49ers play in the playoffs. Now, onto the actual game. The Niners play like absolute dog shit, honestly. I I I still have to pinch myself and check the score to see that we actually won. Because it doesn't feel like a victory at all. I really in my mind, I still feel like we've lost. It feels like a loss to me, that whole game. I, I don't know. Like It's like when we went into the fourth quarter and we're down seven points, it, it just felt like we were, it was over. Because the thing is with the 49ers, coming into that situation, we were 0-30. 0-30 oh, when we when we faced that exact situation in the Kyle Shanahan era. I thought 100% it's over. But then, for a guy who didn't play well for the majority of the game, on the last drive, Brock Purdy. I have to mention it, guys. Brock Purdy played the drive of his life. 
he essentially, I think, in my opinion, he carried us to, the, to that win with that final drive. He carried Kyle Shanahan. I feel like Shanahan was completely off of a lot of his play calling throughout the game. He, he was just not trusting the run game a lot. I, I feel like he should have ran the ball more and not have Purdy throw the ball 39 times. But then when it came to the final drive, Purdy, who had been off, been off all day, like, in the rain, he couldn't grip the ball or anything. He, he was just suddenly throwing dimes everywhere. He was six for seven on the final drive. He he on, only missed was when Kittle dropped a wide open ball for no reason. But then he had this like run that was nearly a first down. And then McCaffrey got in. I was like, oh man, I, I lost years off my life cheering that touchdown. And then when Greenlaw got that pick, a few moments later, which looked like Brett Favre in the championship game for the Vikings a few years ago. I was like, man, all right, all right, we're in the next round. What the hell happened? Okay, what's going on? What's going on? I was just dead. I was so dead, honestly. Oh, man. Okay, I've got to stop before I actually die, guys. All right, moving on. <laughs> oh, man, John, we love you. You know, basically, what, what struck me about this game was just – Purdy, yeah, he came through in the clutch in the end, but he struggled big time. Uh, and there, you, you saw him check down to McCaffrey. Uh, I think I read the stat, it was 12 times that he checked down to McCaffrey, which you know is unheard of, but he also missed a lot of those throws to McCaffrey as well. Um, and then in the mid range, he was, which has been his bread and butter all season, he struggled again. So I think McCaffrey showed that, you know, that he's human um, and that you can you can rattle them. So it, it was pretty evident. So I, I don't think this game is going to be a cakewalk. Um, the next game, we'll, we'll save that for later. But, you know, at the end of the day, they got it done and hats off to the to the 49ers. I, I don't share Manjot's optimism for Brock Purdy based off that game. I, yeah. I actually, I even said it in the group chat as soon as it ended. Oh, I have, I have a lot of concerns uh, moving forward because I've talked about it in the fantasy year and I, I like Brock Purdy. I'm, I'm not trying to be a hater, right? Yeah. But it does feel to me like when he has slightly not the perfect situation, things go to shit. Like you could say, oh, Debo wasn't there. Uh, it was raining. It just feels to me like why all of a sudden when just the smallest thing sort of happens, why things sort of go off the rails really quickly? Like if, if you basically put any other court, like quarterback and said, your your uh, weapons are going to be Christian McCaffrey, Brendan Ayuk, uh, and George Kittle. Like how is that not enough? Like why all of a sudden is, are we giving him like a pass because he doesn't have Debo? Like yeah. it's to me, it still feels like he's in a very good situation and, and like the fact he can't grip a ball because it's raining, like it just feels like he gets sort of passes when he probably shouldn't. But at the same time, he's also ridiculed because of the fact that he's got so much talent around him. It's it's kind of really a double edged sword in a way. But I did see a lot in him that worried me. Uh, now look, this week upcoming, he might. It, it's probably I haven't seen the weather forecast, but so if it's not raining and he's got Debo back, everything's probably just going to be fine. And he's going to look great. He'll probably have 300 yards on this terrible line secondary. And, and we'll be saying, oh, how good's Brock Purdy going into the Super Bowl? I've got concerns if it's a really close game again to trusting him. 
Uh, like you said, like I think it was seven of twelve checkdowns were even caught uh, by CMC of all people. Like it was a really, really weird game, and I, I, I think that the Packers were just in it up to their eyeballs. Uh, I don't think the Packers played amazing themselves. I feel like Jordan Love would like a few plays back if he had his time over again. Um, I think the Niners' defense is far more beatable than I probably ever gave it credit for. Uh, Jones was able to run on them quite easy. And to be honest, I don't feel like Jordan Love was pressured or, you know, he made a lot of big plays that I wouldn't have would have thought were going to happen. So, yeah, I, I do think that moving forward, the Niners may have done themselves a favour, though, by getting through a game like that. Because let's say if they've beaten the Packers by 30, you, you would have been feeling like, all right, well, what's going to happen in a close game? And they did show in a close game that they can not play their best and still win. So moving forward, I think they've got that to be happy with if you're a fan. Uh, but I do have my concerns about Purdy moving forward. I think the only good thing on the Purdy, on Purdy's side at the moment is that he is a, a second-year QB. And it's not even a full second year. He's, he's played, uh, I think it's 24. Four games, so it's not even you know it, it's not even two seasons, two full seasons yet. Um, and if he's playing this like this in in what is your first year and a half, as you grow, as you grow and you you overcome those hard situations, you deal with those hard situations and you learn from the bad ones. Um, he's only going to get better from here on out. And I think the same can be said of Jordan Love too. This is effectively his rookie season. Because he didn't, he hasn't played up until now either, and I, just, I think we've seen that progression through the season for Jordan Love as well. You're 100 percent right, and that's why I wanted to say that off the bat. I'm not a Purdy hater. I like the guy, and to be honest, what he's doing in his second year is amazing. Like the problem is because he's the Niners quarterback, we have to actually hold him to a high standard because he's going to play in all these big games. So if you're actually just looking at it as a like a progression that a normal you know second year quarterback would be going through we would be singing nothing but praises. Like, if he was on a shittier team and, and he was, you know, putting up anywhere near these numbers, he'd be getting nothing but praise. But because he's playing for the Niners, so we're going to be in championship games all the time, all of a sudden he's kind of held to a bigger standard. And we kind of have to do that because we're talking about him in a big playoff game. So that well, I guess I guess I the, to the, say. the Packers and Jordan Love are the perfect example of that, aren't they? That we, I was exactly, exactly going to say that. We knew that they were going to be bad at the start of the season. And they've come good towards the end of the season as they've grown together. And everyone's singing Jordan Love's praises, even at a loss. They're sort of saying, you guys played amazingly for more than three quarters of that game. It, it's only a couple of small things that lost you that game. Yeah, no one's tearing yeah. down CJ Stroud, are they? <laughs> no. Like, he, he, was, he was quite bad in that game, but no one's going to care because he, he was playing for a team that overachieved, it feels like. Uh, and he obviously is in his rookie year. So he's going to get a lot of passes that... Brock Purdy's not going to. So I was just trying to say, I, I'm just, it's not all bad for Brock Purdy. I'm just looking at him as a as a quarterback that's in the championship game, and I just need to yeah. talk about what I feel like I saw in the playoffs. Not trying to have a go at him and what he's going to do for the rest of his career. I'm just saying there. Are, I, I think there are some concerns there in terms no. of when things aren't perfectly going his way. I agree with you. I think he was the seventh best quarterback in a week with eight quarterbacks this week, and he'll be the fourth best quarterback in a week with four quarterbacks this week. And if you took Jordan Love today and you took Brock Purdy today and you switched them teams, the 49ers would be miles better. Not a little better, miles better. 
No, I don't think that's outlandish. All right, I'm I'm gonna have to look guys. I've got a I've got a few points. I did see a video come up like on social media this week. Actually, it was a very interesting one showing passing charts of various different QBs. Uh so we have uh, so one of them had a certain guy that everyone calls an MVP candidate as well, who threw the ball behind the line of scrimmage this in this week in the divisional playoffs fourteen times. Now, we also had another guy who threw the ball behind or at the line of scrimmage eight times as well. And then we also had another guy who threw the ball behind the line or at the line of scrimmage a total of four times. So I feel like those three QBs. So the guy who was 14 times, that was that was Josh Allen. The guy who was eight times, it was Jared Goff. And the guy who was only four times was Brock Purdy. So he was still attempting throws down the field five five yards or deeper. I know his passing chart was a bit more back this this game because he did have a bit of an off game. But I do also think he showed uh, that yeah. he guys like... He would have been like, lucky to hit the Jeff- ocean off the, the San Francisco Pier for the whole first <laughs> half. I would have fucking yeah. celebrated if he hit the water with a ball in the first half. He couldn't have hit yeah. anything. But That's like when saying, you look I got at my it, wife the- a bit pregnant. You know? Yes, when, when the game when the game came down to it, Brock Purdy literally threw the ball to guys like Chris Conley and Jawan Jennings, who's an absolute dog, by the way. Love Jawan Jennings, but he's not I, a deep boy. Samuel. No, so but I've, I've seen was... that. I've seen that. Oh, that and the point during... not thrown to the three Pro Bowlers. Yeah, I've seen that point during the week, though, man. Jot that the guys he was thrown to. Let's just remember that these guys are on a 49ers team. So they're not yeah, trash. They played one week. <laughs> they're not terrible. They're not but, on. They're not on the Atlanta Falcons. They're not on the, the Arizona Cardinals. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's, I don't yeah, understand people put, I'm saying, putting down these putting down his receivers because they were second string on the fucking <laughs> Texans today, and they're a five win team. <laughs> I just don't get the. I don't get it. Anyway, did you know there was another game this weekend too, and it was a <laughs> cracker? Yeah. Let's move on to that game. Uh, how about let's go, Maddie. Uh, Baker, yeah, and Mike Evans and the Bucks showed up at Detroit <laughs> to set to prove a point against the fairy tale Lions on Monday. And for a long yeah. time in this game, both teams went toe to toe. Baker, and I have to highlight it again Baker went, ended up 26 of 41, yeah. 349 yards, three TDs. Evans got 147 yards and a TD on a losing team. Yeah. Pay, pay that man, by the way, that Baker guy. Pay him. Pay him. Pay him. Whatever it costs, pay him. And yeah. uh, and Evans, just showing he can still get it done. But man, And I said in my lead-up last week, I'm digging this Bucks team. I really am. Because how much fun are they? Um, but I couldn't tip them. And I'm glad I didn't because, you know, the, the Lions at home with that, it was, it was the Lions Super Bowl. It was Detroit's. Super Bowl this weekend. They don't get to play there again this year. That was their day, and they had their day, and it was right. But what I love about it is that Baker didn't just let them have it by turning up and having one of those weird Baker days where they can't score a touchdown. He turned up and he played excellent football, and he deserves to be paid, and he is, I think, probably everyone's second favourite player in the league at the moment. Well, he's definitely mine. I've got to try and figure out how to get a Baker Mayfield jersey. I think he might season. be your favourite player in the league. I think this is the thing. He might be. And, and yeah. uh, you know what? I'd be said, okay with it. 
I said I need to find a jersey, and then a report came out during the week that the Vikings might try and sign him. And you know what? That'd be a perfect win-win. So, wouldn't it? I'm I'm struggling to avoid uh, Ian's fucking Baker Boner. It's just everywhere yeah. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's pretty big. Hashtag Baker Boner. It's the most. Yeah. It's the most. Sw- it's the most swollen it's ever been, Taylor. Put that on. A, put put that on a t-shirt. That's on a t-shirt. I'm writing this down. Hang on. <laughs> the Baker Boner. Baker, Baker Boner. It's the most swollen it's ever been. Got it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I'll um. Oh. I'll just say from this game. Uh, I guess the takeaway was again both of the secondaries were very susceptible. Um. I, I kind of did a bit of a mention that I, I thought Mike Evans was in for a really good game here, and he and obviously come up in spades. Uh, he he absolutely perfect, perfect analysis once again, Taylor. <laughs> and it uh, worked out for Brad as he took him on the turn in the fantasy game. I'll even say like Rashad White was someone that I was really really like. I, I expected him not to have a great game here. Like that Detroit rush defense is, is amazing, and he actually, I thought he was one of the big reasons why the Bucks actually stayed in the game. He, mm. Don't get me wrong; he misses some coverages. Like there's some issues there where uh, he's not the best pass protector, and he and he makes some mistakes there. But in terms of his work on the ground and in the passing game, uh, I thought he was quite good in this game. So shout out to him. Uh, but yeah, again, it was just a, a, it was pretty easy to pass for the, both of these teams. Um, the Lions just got got it done quite easily. It never really looked like they were in too much disarray when they were on offense. Uh, but the Bucks again with Baker just showed that um, look, he he was an absolute bargain deal for them, and they made a bit of a Cinderella run with him at quarterback. So I, I can't imagine why they don't just bring him and Mike Evans back next year and just run it back as it was it was a far better year than i think any of their fans expected yeah and aside from a uh, a, a very painful late interception uh, i think this we could have almost ended up with a a very a very very close game we ended up 31 23 in the end but we probably could have gone down to uh another td and a, a, a two-point conversion attempt again after yeah. missing the first two-point conversion attempt um, I hate those analytics, by the way. Fuck that. So, oh, just, man. so do I. Uh, damn, not that, uh, not that six-point thing. The, the when yeah. you're down fourteen, you score a touchdown, and then they tell you to go for two. But then why wouldn't you go for one to make it to cut the lead exactly in half when you're making your life harder and you go for two? And then you, you don't have a play and... for two yards, man, John. Every coach has got well, to play for two yards. I've got fifteen well, of them. So much. It's so much easier I'm not even just a coach. to kick the ball through yeah, three yards. I think After we've just it. seen everyone miss kicks all weekend. Dude, yeah. I, I get but, it. I think everyone's got to play for two yards. You're in the dome. I think the but idea then, the man, idea is solid that you try and win the game yeah. in regular time on the field. That's yeah. solid. It totally is. Uh, but there's a little bit of – you have to go with a little bit of criticism because they – they weren't exactly oh, totally, yeah. they weren't exactly scoring easy. They weren't getting over yeah. the line easy. So even a two yard play, two three yard play for a two point conversion isn't always going to come off because a lot no. of the time if you do it passing, you're dropping back to almost ten yards anyway. Um, so it, it was hard. Yeah, and the I line... just loved the call. A lot of people didn't love the call. I just argued. That's all. I loved it. Yeah, it seemed it <laughs> seemed an, it seemed an odd call when the rest of the game Todd Bowles is so uber conservative, uh, yeah. and then. 
then you can try you go for two there. Yeah. Like what? Why are you the being brave? And Dan Why are you being brave there? Two, you'd be like Dan Campbell. That's a Dan Campbell what? thing to do, right? There was so many times <laughs> when, when the Lions punted and they just purely punted, <laughs> where I was going. Why are they not doing a fake punt here? Because this is, it would usually be Lions fake punt territory. And now they just went, no, nah, let's just actually punt it. And I was just like, you should be icing this. Like, what are we oh, doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, the Lions played a great game, though. They really did play a great game again. And it, it is. It, they might be rough. They might be ready. They might be a bit gritty, as they, as they like to say. And it doesn't always look as pretty as it possibly could. It's not, it's not Ravens pretty or like the, uh, Chiefs 2019, 2020, pretty. It's um, it's just the way that they play and it works for them and they get across the line. So how about we have a little bit of a chat about the NFC Championship game, which, of course, will feature the Lions going into San Francisco to take on the 49ers. The spread at the moment, I think, is a little disrespectful for a championship game. Sure. It is minus seven to the 49ers. I think that's a touch disrespectful considering how the 49ers played last week, even at home, what the weather's supposed to be like. Uh, And whilst the Lions aren't great in pass defense, they are pretty bloody good at rush defense. The Lions have allowed only 100-yard rusher all season. So they, they really like to dominate on the ground in the trenches. The under-over is 51 for mm. this game, which I think is a juxtaposition to that minus seven for the 49ers. I, I just, the two don't vibe for me. How are we, um, how are we feeling about the game, Brad? Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I think if I want to go back to kind of what I was doing earlier in the sense of if I look at it from, let's say the 49ers offense versus the Lions defense, I'm, I'm definitely taking the 49ers offense. I think that Lions secondary is just too porous. And I think, yep, Purdy had a bad uh, divisional round game, but I think he's going to have the time. Lions have a great pass rush, but I think Purdy is going to be able to just pick apart that secondary. And uh, I see big things from him. So I would definitely give the advantage to the 49ers on that. On the other side, if I'm looking at the Lions offense versus the 49ers defense, I'm still giving the advantage to the 49ers simply because the the 49er or the Lions, you saw Green Bay pick on the 49ers number three cornerback. I don't I forget his name, man. I don't know who it is, but um, some putts. But uh, I, I believe in the coaching that they're going to make make adjustments enough. And I don't think the Lions have the receiver's threat because you're going to see um, Warner's going to cover Laporta and and 49ers do a good job. Warner's incredible at covering tight ends. So he's going to cover Laporta, and I think he'll blanket him. And I think Amon Ross and Brown is going to probably get bracketed or you know uh, he'll have double coverage roving to wherever he goes. So it's going to cover him. So I'm giving the edge to the 49ers. Um all over. So I, I don't want to tip my hand too much, but I I'm think the 49ers are going to beat the spread in this game. That sounds like you're tipping your hand actually quite a lot because the spread is <laughs> seven points. So I, I don't know. Like maths is one language I speak all right. <laughs> but, and, and I'm going to so dive Brad's in real quick. supposed to as well. 
<laughs> yeah, I've, yeah, I've heard a little bit about um, yeah the strengths for Brad usually, and I, I feel like everyone can have a bad moment. I had plenty of them last week. Um, I mean, the, the way I want to look at this though is you've got a one seed who are not playing like one seed. I think the San Francisco are playing like a five seed, and they're playing at home, which is great because they're five and three at home. But you know what? The Lions are winning more away than San Francisco have been winning at home this year. They're six and three on the road, and they're a two seed who looked legitimately like a worthy two seed who are no worse than the 49ers through the regular season in terms of winning and losing. And I, I just like that. You've got a team who've shown that they're a, a very capable team in most situations, but then you've got this hyper-aggressive coach who can just make a call that will blow up everything you've planned, right? It, it, Ian says this before, I spent all day waiting for that play where you get the, the trick punt or you get the very aggressive fourth down call that comes off. And knowing that it's win or go home in a game where they're not even favoured and they're on the road, but they've had comfort winning away from home. I'm, I'm pretty happy to see that they will be aggressive about it. Whether it will win them the game or not, I just love that this is the right team to have this championship game against. Mm. It's a funny one because the Lions, this is going to sound weird, the Lions' lines, their offensive line and their defensive line are both amazing. Like They, they have built this team really, really well. Uh, like I said, I've, I've always said that I believe they're the best O-line in the league. I just I, I love taking either Gibbs or Monty in situations because I just feel like they're going to run free because of how good this offensive line is. Uh, and, and like I said, I always said that they're a defensive line against the run, but even having Hutch there, you know, terrorising the quarterback, that they, they've just got everything in place, I believe, the Lions. But... The problem for me is, like, that 49ers win, I think, is actually going to give them a lot more momentum. I already brought it up. The fact that they won a close one after playing like shit most of the night, I feel like that's actually going to work in their favour more than if they'd played well last week. I feel like they know now that in these situations they can still get it done. And I do kind of feel like this is the kind of game that they will be able to sort of get out in front of. Uh, I don't trust the lines on the road, like Matty said. I like whether they've won games in the regular season, I would like to see the split of whether they were in domes or what, you know how bad the teams they were playing on the road were. Uh, I, I don't trust them um, on the road. Goff seems to be like what I brought up Stroud. Like he seems to just favour being in a dome, and, and 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 his road home splits are just abysmal when it comes to his stats. So I do worry about what he's going to be able to do in this game. Uh, Brad brought it up. I do think this is a a Purdy bounce back. Uh, I do think that's going to be a bit too easy for him to throw on this line secondary. They are just abysmal defending that that sort of position. Uh, and I, I just think the 49ers have too much talent. Uh, I would like to know if Debo was healthy. He's still getting listed as a 50-50 chance. But even if he doesn't play, I just think the Niners have got too much. And uh, even though I think it is a bit easier to move the ball on them than I would have probably thought, uh, I still think they're just going to be a bit too tough for this Lions team. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think uh, the Lions have showed enough that they're going to stay in the game. But, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely am going to lean the 49ers here. What have you got for a score, mate? Uh, I'm going to go with 30 to 24. So I would lean taking the Lions at the seven points. Um, just because I'm like you, I think it's too much. Uh, I'm surprised yep. that was the line too. Like I would have had it at like four and a half, five. Mm, I uh, think it's a bit, a bit tall, really. Yeah, I understand obviously yeah. why the Niners are favourites. I think they deserve to be, but uh, I thought the line was a bit too high. But I'm 
like I said, I'm still definitely taking the 49ers. So, so Niners, 30 to 24? Yeah. Righto. Uh, Matty? Um, sorry, I'm just quickly going back to Taylor with that uh, away losses thing for the Lions, just quickly, because half their games are in domes and half of them aren't, and they, they're 6 and 3. Their losses are two of them in domes. <laughs> against the Vikings, who they have to play in a dome, and the Cowboys, who didn't lose a regular season game at home. And um, and then they, they also had Chicago on the road. But then they won games outdoors against Kansas City and the Packers and the Buccaneers. They were their first three away games this year. So, you know, I'm, I'm not too terrified about them being outside and away from home. And... It really didn't factor in for me whether they were outside or inside. I don't care if they play on the side of the fucking moon or in a Walmart car park. I'm going to believe and take them 24-23 lines to the Super Bowl. Major, I love that about the uh, Walmart uh, car park. Honestly, you, love that. You, you don't want yeah. to know what happens in a Walmart car park. I've had, to, <laughs> I've had to tell people that have been overdosed on drugs. I've seen human trafficking. You do not Time want to know what goes on in Time a Walmart Who do you trust oh. in that situation? The pussies from San Francisco or the tough fuckers from Detroit who've seen it all? They've seen it all. They, <laughs> That's yeah, so I leading. That is so yeah. leading. That's... Yeah. <laughs> he sounds like that Philly fan that before we beat the dead asses early in the season who said that 49ers fans are like the softest people in the yeah oh, get them a one pump mocha latte and sit them on the wharf and you know just watch people going by on segways the Detroit Lions mate they will bring you back from death after you've been stabbed in a car park because they just know how to do it it's part of daily life they are tough fuckers <laughs> yeah no <laughs> man I, I love the Lions I, I I hate this matchup so much just for my heart because I love the Lions man I know everyone else does too. And, and I can't wait till you tip the Lions with me, man, John. I'm looking I, forward to that. I absolutely, like, this week, being a 49ers fan, like, obviously love being in a championship game. But I, I hate, like, having to go against the Lions because they, they're such a lovable team. I love Dan Campbell. I love Jameer Gibbs, who I've had many fights and podcasts about, you know, supporting him. And I love Jack Campbell, their linebacker, Laporte, their tight end, all their rookies, Jared Goff especially. I think as well, I just want to point out, when Jared Goff got traded from the Rams to the Lions, everyone thought he was just done. Everyone thought it was just over for him. This guy was never coming back to his best. He's never going back to the NFC Championship game. But I think the moment that really... I've got to say that I believed in Goff as a Lion. It was literally his first game as a Lion. It came against the 49ers in Detroit. It was all the way back week one of 2021. I just wanted please, to say... Tell us all that, about it. Please, please. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say Goff and the very... The Lions who started 0-9 that season, they came very close to being that Niners team that day. So I know from experience, the Lions are not a team that you want to go in there and just say... Hey, this is not this is a team that's going to be an easy beat. No way. I think the Niners know that too. I think it, it's hard for me to tip this game because it's like my head, my head, and most of my heart says the Niners, but then a, a bit of my heart also says the Lions as well because just both, both teams. He? He's going to tip both, and and I think with the Lions, as he well, said himself. Play... Listen to his splitters. Make a decision. Get off the fence. <laughs> no, no. Okay. I'm saying the Lions have played well over the past month compared to the Lions. We can see what you're doing. You're setting it up. 
You're setting it up, okay? Yeah, so no, that no, if no. they lose, you can go, no, I said the Lions were really good, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm not disrespecting the Lions at all, but I'm make taking a pick. the 49ers. I'm right. taking the Niners, but I think the Niners 30 to 27. I just think I just think it would be a close game. The Niners never covered the spread. I think we're like 0-6 in the last six games against the spread or something at home. So we never covered the spread, so I'm sure it's not going to happen again. So I think Niners in a close one. All right, just to spite Manjot, I'm going Lions 30-27. to <laughs> Okay? Ooh. Same score. Oh. No, honestly, I'd already picked that, Manjot, and I just want to move on. So Lions 30-27. Yeah, uh, Brad, what are we... Is there any air left in the room after that diatribe from Manjot? <laughs> no, sir. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is, what's your pick, Brad? Uh, let's go. 49ers, 34. Lions, 17. 30, 34? Yeah, over at halftime. 34, 17, 49ers. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. He foreskinned it earlier. He I did. can see the foreskin from here. Yeah, that's a big... That's a lot of foreskin. Yeah. And... Uh, on that, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> that's uh, that's our good night episode done for this weekend. Short and sweet, just how we all like it. Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. In and out, no worries. Over and done. Talk about your sex life again. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got two kids. It happened twice. So <laughs> and fast and fast. <laughs> she didn't even know. Oh um, man, I can't breathe right now. Right, make sure you stick around and look out for the fantasy show of of this this particular variety, where we will have lots lots more fun. And until then, hopefully, hit us up with your picks on social media at G'day Gridiron at Aussie NFL Fantasy uh, at Aussie Gridiron Network. I don't plug that one anywhere near enough. Manjot will be all over these games on. He's at Pastry Press NFL channel. So make sure you check out that as well. And um, let us know your picks for these couple of games in Championship Weekend. And until then, we'll see you on the other side. And bye for now. Thank you, everyone. Love you guys. G'day Gridiron is brought to you by the Aussie Gridiron Network, a network of Australian podcasts bringing you some of the best content from the NFL and the local game. Check out our other podcasts, Aussie NFL Fantasy and No Huddle Dynasty.